0: on everybody and welcome back to another episode of the starting 11 podcast Thank you for tuning in once again to our episode today i'm joined here as always by my wonderful co hosts nico kramer and spencer
1: shapiro how are you guys doing today
2: i'm doing well this is gonna be a great episode a lot of news and a lot of results to cover
1: mm-hmm. i'm doing great and i'm excited to be back
0: yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm really happy to be back, too. A lot has happened in the past week, and we have a lot of topics to discuss uh, with not much time. So
2: I say we jump right into it. For sure. And start off, uh, we're going to start off with what everybody loves is transfer news. And the first transfer news we're going to go to is what came out recently this morning. Usman Dembele, Barcelona player, uh, is going to be put out available for $37 million. And I'm reading this article from the thehardtackle.com. And it's um, staying clubs like PSG, Man U, Man City, who all have tons of money and are willing to spend on a new attacker. And for only thirty-seven million, for me, this seems like a steal for any club that has the money. I mean, what do you guys think?
0: I mean, personally, I think that in these times of like what the coronavirus has done to the economy, it's a reasonable price to put uh, a Wismund Dembele up on the market for, even though they bought him for much, much more, more than $100 million. I think that it's just in one of those players that they want to get rid of. Apparently, they they are only keen on keeping, like, stably only six of their players over the summer, and they can do whatever they want with the rest. usman Nabele is probably not one of the players they're looking to keep, and if they can make quick money on a player like that. And I agree with you completely, Nico. If anybody has the funds, if any club has the funds, to uh, afford him at this time then they should go ahead because he's still a very young player that can achieve a lot of good things but 37 million is going to be hard to come by this summer and I don't know if any club is going to bite at that
1: uh, I feel that Ousmane Dembele the player he is even though his currently his head isn't quite where it needs to be in his mentality but I still feel the potential he has I think any club should be able to bring up the $37 required, which is clearly not that great of a sum of money. And I'm looking at PSG, who in the future are bound to lose one of Neymar or Mbappe. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not even a question. I feel like they should try to get in a replacement sooner rather than later. For
2: sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes sense. I think PSG can make Usman Belly a great player again. He Usman Belly is a great player, but he struggles with his head off the field. And I think if going to, if he goes to a, a league like League One, which is a lot less pressure than La Liga or Bundesliga, Premier League, Serie A, teams, other leagues like that, he can really focus on the game much more than what he's doing right now in Barcelona.
0: I totally agree. And another really. Uh, important transfer topic that we we sh- have to discuss that came up this this past week and, and that has been coming up a lot recently is Upamecano, a centre-back currently at Leipzig in, over in, in the Bundesliga, who is still a very young player and very early in his career, but is showing a lot of promise, and he's a very big centre-back, and he's a tank, and Manchester United have recently joined uh, Real Madrid in the pursuit of uh, Dayot Upamecano, and Real Madrid is a team that's desperate to land uh, a center back this, this summer, apparently. What are your opinions on, on, this, on this transfer?
2: Well, you name teams like Man U and Real Madrid, and I think they're definitely interested. But beyond that, I, mean, I feel like almost every team, quality team in Europe is interested in this guy. He's a really great player. He's young. He can tackle, he can get the ball out the back. And for Real Madrid, you know, they signed Elder Militaro last transfer window. I don't think it's as big of a rush to get him um as other players they need. I look at Manu, who I think would definitely use him. I don't think Minerva is really gonna take Manu any further than than what they have. And for a team I think Liverpool could be interested in them, but I think also Man City would be a really great great body to pair him up with Laporte.
0: Yeah, that French duo would be a very good do especially with the uh, yeah. recent struggles that Man City have had at the centre-back positions uh, because they saw many leave, etc. But I also heard that Real Madrid are ready to pair uh, Jesus Vallejo, who was currently at loan mm-hmm. at Granada after a spell at Wolves, uh, in, a, um, in a deal that would see Papamikano go back to
2: Los Blancos. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I mean, watching La Liga... You know, all the time I've watched Jesus Vallejo play for Real Madrid multiple times, multiple appearances, and he is a really great player. And I think he can definitely become one of the 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 bigger and the best players for Real Madrid. But I think going to a team like Leipzig would really help him, um, you know, develop his his play style. Know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think he come back in the future. I would, I re- I do think Jesus Vallejo has m- much uh, or a lot of potential, but. You know, Upa, Upa and and Vallejo maybe on a different different level when it comes to who who's going to be better right now and in the future. Of course, yeah.
1: Personally, though, I feel that this summer might not be the year he makes a move because Leipzig are looking for a fee of over 80 million, mm-hmm. and mm, I don't yeah. think any team is going to come up with that this summer. And especially if Leipzig make the Champions League again this year, which they are in position to do to do sitting in third in the Bundesliga. I don't think Upa McConnell would be in a rush to leave, especially for a mm-hmm. team like Man United, who it's very likely will not be playing Champions League football next year.
2: Sure.
1: But another major transfer that's been linked is Raul Jimenez to Man United for Juventus, and I was wondering what you guys thought about that.
2: Well, I think Man you, um, I think... They, While I do agree that Man U would definitely benefit from him, as most teams would with a striker like Raul Jimenez, I'm not sure that's something that they need to rush into. I think they have other issues around the field, maybe a better winger, something in center over another striker. I think Martial and Rashford are fine for the time being, but I'm not sure it's something that they need to really rush into and pay big money for. And when we go to Juventus, I have to say the same thing. I just don't think Juventus really need this right now. I think it would benefit their team, but I'm not sure it would really add anything special that would maybe boost them in the Champions League or anything like that.
0: I completely agree. Even though Juventus probably see Ronaldo as someone obviously being at the tail end of his career, I really don't think Real Jimenez is fit to replace him. Neither uh, neither at Juventus. He doesn't fit at Juventus, and he doesn't fit at uh, Man United, in my opinion. Man United has... Two very good youngsters in Greenwood, yeah, Mason Greenwood sure. and Rashford, that have shown their potential yes. this season. And they've been very, very good players. And for Juventus's case, they have an overload of strikers at the moment. Uh, unless they were to sell off Gonzalo Higuain, I heard they had their eyes on uh, Erling Haaland. And personally, Raul Jimenez, being almost 30 years of age, don't see the the reasons why they would go and pay maybe like possibly 40 to 60 million for him.
1: Uh I completely agree on the Juventus front, but personally I feel that he is a player that would suit United because currently as as you mentioned, uh they have Greenwood uh coming through the ranks, but I still feel that they could benefit from a short-term short-term goal scoring solution since especially out of all their strikers currently None of them are really a poacher and a finisher, which is more of Jimenez's style of play. Mm-hmm. And I feel every team should should be able to have a player who fits that kind of capability, the Harry Kane type sure. player.
2: Sure. Moving on in the transfer news, Cavani, PSG striker, has been linked with both Inter and Atleti. Uh, we all know he almost went to Atleti last transfer window, but it was a $5 million disagreement over Atletico and PSG, which seems... Seems very petty for both teams, but, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what do you guys think. He, he's 33 years uh, of age. He's definitely lost his pa- place in the PSG squad with Mario Ricardi coming in and playing really well. And I think PSG are going to exercise that buy option for him around $70 million. What do you guys think is going to be a great place for him? You know, is it Inter, is it Athletic, or is it somewhere else? Listen...
0: I think that Douglas Costa and Alvaro Morata are pretty good players and they're serving their, their duties at Atletico Madrid for the moment. Um, Lukaku and Latar Martinez are two players that had an extremely good season being a pair that led into the position that they are at right now. Latar is being linked to Barcelona if he makes that move. I don't know if Edinson Cavani is the replacement that they are wishing for. They have young players like Esposito coming up into the ranks, who had a pretty decent season uh, at the, his age. I didn't Cavani, again, Nico said, 33 years old. Uh, I don't think he is someone that would fit yeah. Inter's style of play. He's a great player, of course. If it's between Cavani and Mertens to replace Latar, of course you go mm. with Cavani. But honestly, if they can look elsewhere, look elsewhere. Come on, Inter.
1: Per- personally, I feel that Cavani's done in Europe after this. He's been linked in linked to the MLS for a few years now, and with him being mm-hmm. offloaded at PSG since it's clear that he needs to leave, I just don't feel that he, he'd he want to go to club anywhere below Champions League level, and I don't see a mm-hmm. strong Champions League team looking looking to bring him in. So I just think he'll feel that... It's time for him to move to the MLS, get a large contract, live in the Miami Sun, and enjoy the last Mm -hmm. couple years of his career.
2: For sure. And I want to go back to something that Matias said that Merton's over Cavani was a definite, you know, Merton's Merton's choice. I'm not sure (laughs) if I can agree with that completely, though, because, you know, I look at Merton's stats this season around 15 goals, which is good, but it's not something that really puts him over a guy like Cavani, who has been a lot, in my opinion, proven over the past few years starting at PSG. But I think I'd agree with you and see that for Inter, I don't see Lukaku and Cavani link up shit, link up, working that well. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, so switching over to another transfer rumor that has uh, arised this last, this past week, Mario Gote, who is currently 29 years old, going to turn 29 years old, at least, I believe, playing at Borussia Dortmund. And the sporting director, Michael Zorc, confirmed that Mario Götze won't sign a new deal and will leave the Signal Iduna Park when his contract expires this summer. Inter is one of the teams that he's been linked with.
2: Where do you guys see this guy going? Well, I feel bad for Mario Götze because, of course, we know he started at Dortmund and made that move to Bayern. Um, eventually, he came back to Dortmund, and, you know, through multiple injuries and a younger uh, group coming through, he hasn't really been able to kick off a Dormant once again. I think it makes sense for him to leave. He's, he's sitting on the bench uh, game after game. He's just not getting playing time that I think he deserves for being such a great player that he is on the field. For, for where he is, uh, for where he could go to, I think Inter Milan would be interesting because I look at the center. I think to could play at a ten per se, and I think that's something that Inter could desperately use um, in in the midfield. But I'm just I'm not sure. I'm not really sure where this guy goes. He hasn't played in a while. He may not be able to be at a club as big as Inter, a top top club.
1: Per- personally, I feel that he wouldn't suit Inter at all, especially since they brought yeah. in Ericsson last winter. And I just think that with the financial commitment they made to him and his long ter- long-term contract, I don't see Goetze getting any minutes over him barring injuries to Ericsson. So I definitely feel that Goetze could also benefit from looking for a lower-tier club because he's he's won the World Cup. He's won Bundesliga. I think at this point, he needs to search for consistent playing time, since he really hasn't gotten that for a while in his career, and I just think Mm -hmm. that's something he would enjoy more than more meaning, or not meaningless, more trophies that he wins by sitting on the bench.
0: I completely agree with you, and I completely disagree with Nico. I think that on when they're healthy, Inter's midfield is probably the best in Italy, with a uh, coming in from Sassuolo this year, who they're probably gonna buy, and Nicola Barella coming in from Cagliari, uh, along with Brozovic and Eriksen. It's just an amazing midfield. What they need to focus on in full is fullbacks. But Marigote, I would love to see him at Arsenal. Honestly, uh, I heard that Ceballos and Arsenal are not looking to finalize a deal for the Spanish man to stay. Uh, in London, so I think Mario Gossi could fill that spot up quite nicely and kind of mentor maybe uh, the young players in Gwendozi and Willow. For sure, I think you, that's I think
2: fun. he would definitely fit in. At Arsenal it would be a good move for him. I'm just it's it's hard because I haven't really seen him play much in the last season or two due to injuries, due to being benched. I'm not yeah. sure Arsenal's willing to spend the money on someone who hasn't been getting the game time needed to. Um, you know, to really show what he's what he's worth recently. And for Inter, while well, I do agree that going to Inter would not be the best move, um, I agree with you guys on that. I think Inter's midfield, I, while I agree, you know, Erickson is an interesting choice since Antonio Conte has, has gotten him into the club. He he hasn't played him very much, and that's something that's really interested me because he really wanted Ericsson to come. Yeah, I think he's uh, overrated. Yeah, I think, I think a little bit. Well, I think just a true. little bit. I think that I mean, move think, was overrated. I think that is true. So, in Barella and Sensi, who are good players, and they're definitely players that can play and play at a high level, but the mid, still, still young, but the midfield is something that Conte has been complaining about this season, um, more in the attack, more in the defense, and that's why he brought in Erickson, for the even depth. though he's not playing that much, he's brought in Erickson to fill that. So I think while it wouldn't really be a great move for Inter, it's a move that if they can get on the cheap, maybe $25 million or around that area, it would be something that they could yeah, definitely good backup back someone yeah. have to bring on the field in the last 30-40 you know, minutes if needed.
1: I'm kind of yeah. adding, adding on. I feel that this should have been established clearer, but recent reports have actually been saying that Mario Goza is going to leave on a free, and it was confirmed by Borussia Dortmund. Okay. So, it wouldn't mm. actually be a transfer fee. So, I also feel that changes yeah, that
0: changes it. that, changes, a that lot.
1: changes it a lot completely. But going back to the Arsenal link, personally, I don't feel Mario Gota could would suit there at all, especially since they already have Mesut Ozil, who is kind of their creative link. And I think in any game that will require that link, uh, Mikel Arteta would like to stick with Ozil, and as mm-hmm. if. They don't need a link. He prefers to play with two center mids and a CDM, which could be Ganduzi, could be Jaka, rather than mm. having yeah. a cam. So I just don't see mm-hmm. Mario Goza getting necessary minutes at Arsenal.
0: Yeah. I mean, because of the, the recent economic effects, I think that Arsenal really needs to offload Ozil. Uh, and he hasn't really been playing that well recently in the past few years. And his contract is just... Insane to me, why they, why they even offered him that contract tra- contract in the first place. Uh, speaking about Götze at Inter, though, if the free the transfer the the free deal does change a lot, in fact, and in my opinion, it all comes down to what Mario Götze wants for himself. Uh, being in the, his late twenties, I think he still has something to offer uh, on a Champions League team. It just depends on whether he wants to be a backup on a Champions League team or a starter on like a Europa League team, something like that. But being, going to Inter would just mean he would be a backup. But it is true that Antonio Conte has has proclaimed that he doesn't have enough depth. And so if if Gote chooses to be one of those players that can fill in when needed, then that's that's a choice that he should make. And it would be a good move for Inter if he's ready to... Another big transfer
2: role. news coming out is Douglas Costa has been linked to Man United over the... Uh, recent hours, I view this in a a few ways. I think uh, Man U could use this player. I think Douglas Costa has been underrated the past few seasons. He's really good at buying, yeah, for sure. I think he's been pretty good at Juventus. Hasn't been getting getting the game time, he hasn't been a consistent starter, which has hurt his game time, hurt his performances. That that as well, he's been injured a lot. So, I think once again, while Man U could benefit from this. I just don't think it's that's where they need to improve their their their, their lineup right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what, what are you guys takes on this? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think Douglas Costa is a player who could suit Man United. Uh, one thing that they're lacking is inexperienced attacker, and they tried to bring it bring one in in Odion Agallo but. Obviously, Douglas Costa is certainly levels above, so I definitely think Douglas Costa is someone who could help in the development and also give them a short-term boost mm. in their current play mm. from the attack.
0: I definitely agree with that. I think that it would be a bad move for Juventus to let him go on anything other than a player swap deal or including him in a player swap deal that would benefit Juventus, especially in that midfield. Douglas Costa has indeed struggled a lot with injuries and playing time because that Juventus attack is very overloaded, has been very overloaded recently. And they don't, always, they don't normally play a, a formation that uh, puts him on the wing and allows him to be the electric winger that he uh, can be at all times. And he's very, he's indeed a very good player. I would add a lot to Manchester United would start over Anthony Martial, and would be a very electric player for them. He's reaching the tail end of his prime years, and I don't know how much he they would be ready to offer for him. Uh, but this year he's been a savior for Juventus at a lot of times, especially in the Champions League. We remember that beautiful goal that he had. I don't remember against who, but they saved him in the la- he saved them in the last minute. So I think if Juventus can offload a couple of attackers and keep Douglas Costa, I think it would be a good move, and then sell him maybe next, next year where they can make a bigger profit.
1: Yeah, for sure. And another big transfer news coming out is Serginho Dest is linked to a number of big clubs, uh, one of them being Barcelona, and that was also fueled with an Instagram video in which he posed, in you know, a Barcelona full kit. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. hear what you guys thought about that.
0: So, personally, I think that Barcelona have been trying to find their new right back for a couple of of seasons now. uh, They've switched between Sergio Roberto and Nelson Semedo and other options. I honestly think that Sergino Des has a very bright future ahead of him. But for now, I think if Barca, Barca can still give... Semedo one year of try one year to try and make something of, of his transfer I think he has potential and he's still a relatively young player so Junior Des would benefit a lot by staying at uh, Ajax with their youth development because he's still a very young player and then move out next year where Ajax could make a bigger profit from him and because honestly if I was an Ajax fan I would be kind of mad because Ajax the board seem to just be offloading all their talents to all these big clubs. So retaining Sergino Dest um, and strengthening that, that midfield, uh, that defense to make he, maybe win the league again and make a little run in the Champions League, develop him a little more and then make more profit. Yeah, I mean, I see this
2: in, uh, in a, from a viewpoint of Barcelona. Um, they've been looking for the right back, as you say. Uh, now since Semedo has been linked in recent, uh, mm-hmm. recent weeks to different clubs, such as Man City. Sergio Roberto, who was a center mid and a winger when he came to Barcelona, um, has been, you know, pushed back into that right back position. And they bought Junior Firpo from Real Betis last summer, um, who again has been a great when he's played. Has been, had decent performances. And I look at it from the standpoint of Ajax, or no, for, well, no, I look at it from the standpoint of Ajax in the sense of why sell. Uh, Sergino Des right now, I think they can get more money for him later on in his career instead of um, at this current moment, especially during this summer, during the pandemic. And, you know, full honesty, I just don't think Sergino Des is at a Barcelona uh, level yet. I don't think he's at a top, top, top club level yet. I think he can definitely get there later on. But I'm not sure, even if he went to Barcelona, I just don't think Mm -hmm. he could play at the level where he can really benefit the team.
1: Personally, I disagree that he should stay at IX for another year. A lot of it has to do with Ajax's current policy and keeping on to players in which they sell them sooner rather than trying to keep them for another year when maybe they had the potential to do so. They did the same thing with Delict, They did the same thing with Frankie DeYoung So I don't think it would really benefit Des to play there another year. But I also don't know if he's ready to move to Barca quite yet. And I feel that he could yeah. benefit from maybe kind of a move similar to some ways in Polisic's move to Chelsea, but not in all the ways in that he should be signed by Barcelona and then potentially immediately loaned out rather than rather fits back to Ajax or maybe a mid table team in the in the Bundesliga, who does great with developing American players, or maybe even back to Ajax if they'd want him. But I definitely feel that mm. it would help him if his future was decided sooner rather than later, because then he can just focus on soccer, which he hasn't had much time to do so between his, recently between the mm. decision whether he was going to choose the Netherlands or the U.S., and I just feel it would help him a lot to get rid of the off-field distractions and have a plan laid out. For
2: sure. I mean, I agree with that. And going back to the viewpoint from Barcelona, I think they're smart enough and understand that Sergino Des isn't uh, a, a player fit for Barcelona right now or really a top club like that at this current stage in his career. And I think he could be later on, but I think staying at Ajax could allow him to just get a little more game um, you know, consistent more consistent game time, more um, playing in the Champions League, which I think is huge, other than going to Barcelona and being loaned out to a a team where not for he's not, he's not forgotten, for but I just don't think he can really play at he can't he can play at a level where he can walk into Barcelona team. So I think that's I think that's gonna be important for Barcelona to understand what they're buying and, and how much he, he has to to develop
1: personally though i feel that he shouldn't stay another year at ajax because obviously ajax are a team who dominates uh the netherlands year after year they had some difficulties this year but are but are still er, we're still awarded or er, we're still in strong position to win but i think that he'd benefit a lot from moving to a top 5 league and maybe settling at a mid-table yeah. club there for a year, whether that's on loan or whatever, but I just think it's time for him to try try himself against other players week after week, especially after this year in the Champions League, he didn't even get that consistent playing time since he was battling other players in their development. Mm -hmm.
0: For sure. And switching over to more of a news aspect of what's been happening the last uh, couple of days. Uh, we've had reports of La Liga resuming, and it's been confirmed that La Liga was has been allowed to resume the 8th of June. And several outlets on Sunday, including Caruso Deportivo and AS, claim that an agreement is now in place for La Liga matches to be played every day of the week. Uh, another hurdle passed by the league is the agreement that teams can play two games with the rest of just seventy-two hours, that's three days. It means that La Liga will have two match days every week between mid-June and the end of July. Well, what first of all, I'm really excited this?
2: for La Liga too. You know, I watch the league all the time for years, and I just love it's my favorite league, my favorite teams. I think it's the best league. And when it comes to playing um, every day and seventy-two hours of rest, you know that's it's a. Uh, it's hard for the players to have only three days of rest, but I think that's just, if you're a professional soccer player, sometimes you have to put in a little more work than you may, might be used to. And I think that's just part of part of being a professional athlete. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited for La Liga to return. I think in any way, if it can return, I'll, I'll watch it no matter how, no matter how it's played.
1: Uh, I'm also excited for La Liga to turn to return in and ready to see some of the best players in the world returning to action.
0: Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with uh, both of you guys. And I think the 72 hours between games is something that they can take. Uh, Maybe not in June, because obviously they won't have that much time to prepare physically, because obviously they're used to having friendlies. And other stuff to prepare against other players and have in game situations. And with this small group training and everything, it's just not going to be the same for them. And so we're, I, there's probably going to be a, a, a skyrocket in injuries throughout the league. But I think if you're getting paid millions and millions of euros to play football and you got three days between two games, don't whine about it. Play the games and give the fans what they want to sure. give the fans. Switching,
2: uh, switching topics um, Man United. Have come out. Edward has come out and discussed um, a financial situation that they are in, where their expenditure numbers are much, much higher than what they're bringing in per year, and the ratio that they are at right now is is truly astonishing for what a team like Man United should be at. And I think this is going to cause, you know, this this is a really big deal for Man United because they're they're going to have to offload players in order to decrease that expenditure ratio and this could be something that really hurts them in the future and you know, we know they're developing right now trying to get caught up to teams like Man City and Liverpool within the league and this I mean to me this is a really big deal what do you guys think about this?
1: I feel that Man this could is definitely very damaging as Man United clearly need a few more world-class players before they even think about being on the same level as Man, Man City and Man Un- and Liverpool, which is definite for them to be able to reach their potential as, a cl- as the third biggest club in the world financial-wise. So I just feel that this really impacts their future plans and is a long-term damaging thing to the club.
0: I mean, personally, I don't have much to say on this topic, but I think that obviously finances is something that a lot of clubs deal with. Maybe not the bigger clubs, but every club has to deal with it. It's, and it's especially going to be a problem for them this summer because of the pandemic and what that's going to mean for them this summer is that they're not probably not going to do anything in terms of uh, transfers, even though they've been linked with – so many players as as we're so accustomed to seeing but honestly uh I don't have much to say about this it's just sad that Manchester United have yeah, gone sure. from Sir Alex Ferguson and winning the league and Champions League and all these domestic cups to having sure. financial issues and not even qualifying for the for the Champions League
1: yeah for sure that's bad news but uh recently another week of Bundesliga football happened this weekend. Uh some some very expected results, a couple shockers. Uh what were your opinions of the week? So
2: um start things off, uh I think once again it was great to watch watch the game. Um this weekend it was you know, it was just really nice. Even without fans, it just felt really great to be able to watch live high level uh games and that you know, I think every, every soccer fan can definitely agree with that. Um, going into certain results, Lucy Dortmund beat Wolfsburg at Wolfsburg uh, 2-0. I thought watching the game was a very convincing result for Dortmund. Um, Rafael Guerrero and Agra Fikimi, who, by the way, uh, they're, two, they're two backs, have had such great um, starts since the season had returned and playing at a very good level. Um, and I think Dortmund show that they're still in it and still in it for a fight. And I think that's really good for, for them and for the league. So fans still have something to watch, especially with, on the other side of that, Bayern Munich beating Frankfurt 5-2 at home, which again was also just extremely convincing result. Um, the two goals, two goals that Bayern scored were from horrible defending and the Frankfurt defenders. It was, it was a little astonishing in all, in all honesty. And I think this is going to be – these two results are just huge going into next week where Dortmund will play Bayern Munich. And I think that's going to end up being a title decider. What about you guys?
0: I mean, guys, how good is um, the Dortmund financing yeah. and their recent transfer window last summer? And how good are they like to be able to buy two top quality players in Julian Brandt and um, Thorian Hazard who, by the way has had better statistics in two games than his brother has <laughs> the whole season at real madrid but anyways i do believe that the game was a very good game in the first couple 30 minutes and then uh, after that borussia dortmund took off scored a goal they could have doubled the lead at the end of the first half uh, at the end of the first half wolfsburg could have scored in the at the beginning of the second half but uh, once jaden Sancho on, came on of course he's a brilliant player so much Good, such good stuff coming yeah. up for him. And this is just such a fun team to watch. And it's so electric and so young. They have such a good future uh, going forward. In terms of the yeah. Bayern Munich game, was anybody really surprised? 5-2, five, five goals at home. What can we really say? Another moment of brilliance from the left wing back, Alfonso Davies, who I rate very highly. But guys, we have to shout out. Martin Hinderreger for having a (laughs) hat-trick, but not for his side. One was an own goal, guys. Anyways, yeah, that's my opinion on the weekend. There's also the Leipzig game against Mainz. Wasn't surprised about that either. It's good to see Leipzig bounce back from last week and score a lot of goals and have an excellent game.
1: Yeah, for sure it was another great weekend. But looking ahead to that Bayern Dortmund, I personally feel that for Dortmund yes. it's a must win game. I feel anything other than a Dortmund win and the title race, I think even if they tie four points is too too much to make up with, I believe, five matches left. So I feel that the only way that they mm-hmm. can be that they have any shot at the title is to go in there, play their best game and come out with a shocking mm-hmm. victory, which personally I feel they have the capabilities to do, and I think they will do with a three-one victory.
2: Uh, for sure, I, I I definitely agree with you. I I personally am gonna have to take Bayern, though. I I just think the experience of Bayern Munich um is gonna uh overrun what Dortmund can do. I think Dortmund will definitely have a chance, but I think, you know, you go, we need to shout out by the way Lewandowski. I mean, he scores. Every every single game, Lewandowski is scoring. It's almost like an automatic goal for Bayern Munich. And I just don't think that the Dortmund defense is going to hold Lewandowski um, enough to um, to win that game. And I think Bayern are going to win 2-1, both goals from Lewandowski. And another big um, hurt for Dortmund is that Sancho is coming back from injury, hasn't started since the uh, league restarted, and it's only been playing around 30 minutes per game. I think he's a must-start if Dortmund want to get anything out of this game. And if he doesn't, I just don't think they're going to have the attacking power to get enough goals past um, Neuer what they, need, what they need in order to win. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I, I have to agree and disagree with both of you guys. I think that if Dortmund manages to get a tie, of course, I think they still have a chance because Bayern, uh, we have to keep in mind, still mm-hmm. have to face uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Borussia Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg before the end of the season. But again, guys, how unlucky was Dortmund yeah. to have this uh, pandemic yeah, nice. where they can't play in front of their fans because they would have had that yellow wall chanting for them, mm-hmm. playing at home, and they would have had a much better chance, I assure you that, to win this game. But I still believe that if they, t- if they manage to get a tie and hold B- B- Bayern to one or two goals and they can put in a couple goals themselves – Uh, because they've been on good form and they definitely can score against this Bayern team. I think that they still have a little chance, uh, but again, they still have to play Leipzig, so we'll see. It's going to be a very tight season still, and I'm going to enjoy every bit of it. And moving on to uh, the final topic of today, and this is not news, this is not transfers, but this is just overall uh, a little argument, uh, debate, topic that we're going to be including into our, our podcast at the end of every episode. Uh, and today's one is the most iconic goal from our lifetime. So we're all born in two thousand three. Uh, in your opinion, guys, what are some of the most iconic goals for club and for country? Uh, and what are the most icon- What is the most iconic goal? So, you guys so are gonna have to pick clues, one.
2: Let's um, go. I'm gonna choose Sergio Ramos's last minute header against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League final, Send it to overtime. Um, I remember watching that game live. I thought it was over I, as. As did most, um, as did most people watching the game, and it was truly, truly an astonishing moment to see Sergio Ramos rise above, headed into the bottom left corner against Hugo Courtois, and it was something that I just I'll always remember for the rest of my life. There may be a little bias in that, but I just something that I think every soccer fan can agree was an amazing moment um, for Real Madrid, who eventually went on to win the game in overtime, and for Sergio. For Sergio Ramos, who who netted that goal, and the captain, you know, saving the team. It was just an amazing moment for sure. Uh,
1: For me, though, the most iconic goal for club in this, in this, in our lifetime, without a doubt, is Sergio Guerrero's last minute league title decider versus QPR. The circumstances that got them Mm -hmm. there just puts it above winning the league with the last kick of their season, the season over their biggest rivals, that insane comeback from two one down at the 90th minute to win it. Fergie's reaction at Sunderland, everyone just going insane, the pitch invasion. I feel that alone puts it up there, but also what it sprung afterwards in that it allowed Man City to create the dynasty. It laid the framework for what Pep Guardiola is bringing in now. It allowed them to develop mm-hmm. as a club. And I feel without that goal, there's no Pep Guardiola. There's no Invincibles. Man City would not be anywhere near where they are today.
0: Yeah, we definitely have to appreciate the genius of the Super Mario providing that assist to Aguero. And without him, nothing would have happened. So. But... My, my, I I have a choice, obviously, but we have to give an honorable mention to Messi's three-two goal against yes, Real Madrid certainly. to win the game in extra time um, in the final minutes with the jer- with For the sure. jersey hold up on away at Bernabeu. That is an yeah. iconic yeah. picture. I don't know if I don't know if the goal is yeah. iconic, but the that celebration is, is definitely a very iconic a celebration. Uh, but my choice is the Troy Deeney goal in 2013 yeah, that's, that's versus Leicester City. Goal. Uh, to send Watford oh, yes. to the final of the playoffs. I, it, it, it might not be the most iconic because it didn't send them to the Prem, but it sent them to the final of the playoffs. But still, uh, no matter the age, if you follow soccer, you've seen this everywhere on social media. Every year we, we, we watch this over and over again. This goal is just insane with the penalty stop last minute and Watford going down on the other end. Choidini banging it in and all the fans just crowding on the on the pitch. It's just for sure. an insane goal and in my opinion a very, very iconic one. But moving on, so uh, terms what terms are you guys' of... choices for in terms for of For me country? the
1: most uh, for me the most iconic <laughs> country goal is Iniesta's World Cup twenty ten win versus the Netherlands. I feel that Winning Spain their first World Cup in extra time, capping off that Spain's golden generation of players, I think that just has to be the most iconic goal for
2: country. For sure, I would definitely agree. That was my choice as well. Um, yeah. I remember watching that game live as well, and that was an amazing moment. Um, it's such an amazing goal, uh, Fernando Torres playing it over to Iniesta, and Iniesta hitting it home. And yeah, first ever Champions, first ever. Jesus, because have a World Cup for Spain, and it was definitely something that will go down in history. It's one of the best, best goals uh, ever in the game.
0: I have to agree with both of you. Uh, Iniesta's goal was very iconic to win them their first World Cup ever and to score in such a moment in extra time in the dying last minutes of the game. It was very iconic with Paul taking his shirt off and everything. Uh, but I have to give an honorable mention to Fabio Grosso against Germany and uh, because of the brilliance of Pirlo's assist and Mario Goetze, uh against Argentina in 2014 to that would later go on to win Germany's fourth title ever but guys that's all that we have for today. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast Thank you again for tuning in once again and um, I hope this we hope to see you guys. Uh, on sure, the next episode next Sunday the coming out.